You've got courage to lead. Courage to lead. Be brave and be bold. Welcome to the Courage to Leap and Lead podcast, where each of our guests share the stories of courage that helped them become powerful leaders. Before we start today's show, please remember to visit courage-consulting.com, where you can find all the episodes and other excellent resources, all at courage-consulting.com. Now, here's your host, Leadership Courage Coach, C.B. Bowman. Ladies and gentlemen, I thought I was only going to speak to Dan. First of all, this is CB with Courage to Leap and Lead. This is part two of an interview. I thought I was only going to talk to this gentleman for 30 minutes because he looked boring. I didn't know who he was. I am enjoying this conversation more than what I could tell you. And so we're going for part two. Oh, my God. Welcome, Dan Capello back. And Dan, tell us the name of your book. My book is coming out soon. It is called Deliberate Evolution. The six steps every leader must do to be successful. You know what? Don't believe the title because this is the book that's not just for leaders. It's for all of us. It's all of us who want to identify and find out true north. It's for all of us who want to release the anxiety in our body that was caused due to trauma in our childhood. This is a book for all ages. This is a book for all occupations. This is a book for everyone. I can't wait to get my hands on a copy of it. Dan and I are having this amazing conversation about what poisons us. What is it? Why? Why do we allow poison to come to us? And how do we move into a mode of self-awareness, self-care, and self-importance? Not in a way that takes away from others, but in a way that enhances our contributions to society and the world. Welcome back. Great to be here. Amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm hey. living the dream. LTD. Yeah, you are. You certainly are. Hey, I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about um how when you figured out what was your trigger, your negative trigger in your life, trigger in your life, based upon your being sexually abused as a child. What did you say to your wife? What did you say to your children? How, did you go and say, hey, I figured it all out, guys. I'm all better. Did you have a heart-to-heart conversation? How, how do you go and say to somebody or people that you love, this is the reason why my behavior was the way it was. This is what I'm going to do about it in the future. This is the role I want you to play. And I know I just threw a whole bunch of questions at you, but oh, I'm yeah. curious to know and, and tell us how the people who loved you, how did they respond? 
Well, you know, it, it's that's an awesome question. And nobody's ever asked me that. And it's probably one of the hardest things I had to do because they lived with, you know, I, I was married I, almost 30 years I've been married. So for 25 years of my existence with my wife, um, she's had to put, tolerate me. And I, I use that word lightly. But the problem that a lot of us see in relationships is, you know, we have two people that are total opposites. Well, me and my wife both have complex avoidant attachment. So we're, we're both of us can separate and she reads books and I in, uh, research information and stuff like that. So it, it works out. A lot of the people that are traumatized are drawn to other people that are traumatized. You know, her father was traumatized and he was very aggressive and he was an asshole like me <laughs> but and so she's you know they're drawn to their father yes hook or crook or whatever wrong or right or whatever it's a, that nature thing and so that's what was expected for so long and then when i started changing my wife would you know she i would say something and she goes but that's what you that's what you always do and i'm like no that's what i used to do i'm not doing that now and she goes, well, but I'm like, I'm not being like that. I'm not being confrontational with you. I'm not being aggressive. I didn't, you know, flip that person off. You know, I didn't go and bite that guy's face. <laughs> so, but, and so for a while there, it was like, but you always, and I'm like, you're using that sense in a different tone because I'm not that person anymore. And the thing is, what do you it, mean she's using it in a different tone? Well, I mean, when she would say it, she was like, it's like I was doing that at the moment. She goes, well, you used to. And I'm like, used to, keywords. And you're addressing me like I did do that, but I'm not doing that. And now you're, you're, you're saying that I'm still doing it, but I'm not doing it. And she's like, oh, yeah. I didn't, you know, verbally accost you when you, you, when you were yelling at me, I didn't yell back. Wow. What did she you know, say with that realization? Well, it's, it, it's still, you know, she has a very traumatic response uh, 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 childhood too. So she would shut down. Mm. And I used to shut down. So we'd both shut down together. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sad, but true. And, and that was probably the only reason we're still married is because we would, you know, it would hit a certain point and, and then the triggers would switch and then we were just, we had to go avoid it. We had to be avoided. So we would go be avoided somewhere. She would find a book, whatever. And then, so what I started to do is when it started to escalate, I would just leave the situation. Instead of addressing it, I would just get up and leave. And I would just keep doing that. And my sister was like, you know, that's not, not healthy. I'm like, but if you have to remove yourself from the situation so that the situation can de-escalate and then you can come back and then hopefully come back into a neutral position because once it's escalated and the, you, the triggers already happen where you had two people used to be triggered. Now you only have one person that's triggered. You have to, you have to remove the triggering object, which was me so that the escalation comes down and then you can come back to that situation. And that was, it, it took a while. I mean, it took, you know, six, eight, a month, a year, whatever. 
to get to where my wife wasn't, you know, that living in the past with the, the past me, because, you know, I say I changed, but the problem is, is we don't change is like, I finally found the boy at six who had his soul stolen, you know, because I remember being a happy kid. I remember having fun. I remember being, you know, a joyous child. And then that was removed. And I became this bitter, angry, violent person. And then when I figured it all out and worked through my stuff, I was able to not go back to that, but remove all the stuff off of me. I was still that same kid, that same good person. I just removed the trauma and I removed the hate and I removed the anger and I removed the violence to where all that's left was an empathetic person, which is where we need to be because then we can have, I can have emotions now. I can talk about, you know, my sexual trauma. Yes, it's hard sometimes and I'm still working on that, but I can talk about it because I know it's not about me. It's about the person listening to this. It's about the person that reads my book. It's the person in the, the audience I'm talking to. But, okay, so you read this book three years ago. Yes. Did you start to change immediately after the last chapter of the book? No, it, it wasn't immediate. It had, I had to come to grips. First of all, I had to figure it out. What, what was happening and why was it happening? And that's when I went and researched Freud, uh, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of, of needs and, and all, all, you know, all the greats. Jung, I, I went and I just v viciously read all this stuff so that I could figure out what was happening to me because I wasn't sure and nobody was explaining it. And I, at that point, I still wasn't allowing people to talk into my life, like physical people actually physically talking to me because it, it, it was triggering. So I couldn't handle that, especially if they were talking about my feelings or my emotions, which I was not, I, I had them boxed up in this big box that had this lock on there, just another lock and another lock. So how long after you read the book and did your research, did you come to the aha uh -huh moment well i think it was gradual it, it's after that happened i was still trying to, i was still training to go to do another spartan race because i did one and i was still training so as i was doing that i was doing a lot of traveling for business as a and, and as a chef and i was writing i started writing and my writing was horrible but I was writing my feelings, which I've never done on paper. And as I was putting this out, it's a very, you know, some people say that, why are you writing your book? Is it for you, a cathartic uh, uh, exercise? And that was my cathartic exercise. And I have all these, I just kept writing and writing and it was all this stuff. And, you know, I, I would, you know, like I'm sitting on the airplane and I, I watch this very obese person come in or they were walking through the airport and it's kind of like, you know, the shark in the water where the people just go around them and they were so like uh, uh, ignored or, 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 you know, it's like, why are you sitting next to me? And I felt that, that empathy. And I'd never felt that before of that person having to live with what they're, what the, they're trapped in. And everybody's like, you know, just 
people look at that and you know they're like well they're just fat and it's like no there's 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 trauma there there's coping mechanisms there there is so much stuff that created that that shell over that person those are the walls that they created to protect themselves from what what happened to them so then let's say for about a year now correct me if i'm wrong you've found yourself you've found the culprits you've changed your communication you've talked to your wife your children so a year into this let's call it the new dan for lack of a better term you may have a better term what is going on with your wife has she accepted the new you? Has she also decided that she was going to do some research to find the her trauma, to find the source? What's bring us up to date? Well, the, the hard part is, is like, so that was when I was writing and stuff and I, I was talking and I, I felt better. I, I saw this chef talking on stage and he was talking about like how he broke down at this certified master chef's exam, which is this it's very intensive like i think it's eight days you cook straight and you got people watching you and it's very nerve-wracking and and he talked about how he broke down and i'm like dude i need that's me he's telling my story on stage i need to do that well i'm sitting there as me and, and that's impossible i i could never do that that that's not a possibility for me from where i was sitting i get it but I'm doing that now. So I figured out how to make the possible out of the impossible. Right. And as I'm starting to do this, the COVID hits. Ah. And we have all these lockdowns and I'm a chef. So I have to deal with all these people and all these, you know, I got sent home because I was exposed to somebody and the, the kitchen fell apart because it was just, you know, it was a busy Friday night. And they sent down, they sent me and the front of the house manager home because we were, we had contact with someone who ended up with COVID. So the whole thing fell apart, but it was my fault at the end of the day, even though I wasn't there, I got the blame. And then, so as I started doing this, I started learning about, you know, as we, as a chef and burnout. And so I was going back into burnout again because all the stress and all this and my workers, and then we had to do to go food and then we couldn't get product. And then there was all this other stuff. I, and it, it was crazy because I started, okay, I need to have boundaries between what I do and who I am, because what I do was controlling who I am before. It's like my self-worth and personality was tied up in being a chef. That was who I was, but it's, and, and we all run into that problem. A lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people run into that. If it wasn't for me being a chef, I wouldn't be anybody. No, yeah. so we have and les brown talks I about that when i heard him tell me that les brown listened to him one day he says you have to separate who you are from what you do and that was a realization he talked about boundaries you have to set boundaries so i started setting boundaries between myself and my work and and then you know as things started opening up all of a sudden there were no workers everything opened at one time here in texas and there were no workers 
but the membership was in there and they were demanding like we were right back to where we were well we couldn't get product yeah and we yeah. didn't have staff and then we have all these people so we're getting bombarded and all they're seeing is the kitchen can't handle it the, the 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 food the food and beverage department can't handle it that's all they saw because they weren't being served because you know nothing wrong with country people but a lot of those people are self-serving and very conceit and 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 point it was shocking because all of a sudden america didn't have supplies didn't have food yeah walked into costco and costco was empty no food on the shelves but you know what it did for me? It triggered me back to when I was in Cuba. And I walked into the shelves and I was stunned. The drugstore, where all the aspirin drugstores were empty. And there was no pandemic. That's their way of living. And so we're so used to terra firma that not to have anything, we can't, we can't process it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, and that was a big thing. And that's where it started shifting me. It's like, you know, the more demand they put on us, it's like, okay, well, I, you know, I'm not going to stay late anymore. I'm not going to come early anymore because I need to take care of my family. In these times, I need to take care of my family, but they couldn't see that because of what, you know, as a, when you start getting higher paid as an executive chef at country clubs, you're, you're basically taking what you promised your family and your wife and your kids, your promises, you took them from them and you sold them to your company. Oh, but that's true with every company. The high... Well, I know. Yeah. But Absolutely. the thing is, is that we've never set up boundaries. Absolutely. And then once you start setting boundaries and, and the people that, that hired you, or the, the people who run the club, they don't respect those. And then when you say, no, this is my boundaries now, it's like, well, we didn't hire you with boundaries. It, it happened to so many people as a result of COVID. They started to say, what the hell? My life is my work. I don't want that anymore. I want a life. And we're still not used to it because the, the flip side of it means that we don't have inventory, right? We don't, we we don't created, have a lot of We created our own hellhole. Right, our food and beverage, uh, the whole food and beverage thing because it shut down and everybody lost their jobs and we didn't work for so long is a lot of people have left the industry they're not coming back they found something better to do that they weren't abused that, that they could have boundaries because or that leaders realized they could not treat people the way they have and mm -hmm. they started changing and people went to that company where leaders realized it wasn't the it's not going to be the way it was there is work-life balance in the world. You just have yeah. to find it. So again, I want to ask you, going back to your wife and your family, have they accepted the new you? Are they are they still in stage shock? Are they holding no, the chair? No. See the old you pop back in? You know, through my wife always because i'm a DIY guy you know that was my my whatever i took care of everything but she would tell me her problems that i would i would okay this is what you need to do well she didn't want me to fix her problems and that's that's i didn't know this as a as a man i didn't know i thought well you asked me my opinion you asked me how to fix something this is the problem i'm giving you the answer it's like 
you don't understand. I was not asking for an answer. I was asking for an ear. <clears throat> oh yeah, no, I, I I freely admit it. And so I I you know, and I was joking uh, yesterday you, about that. We women sometimes do that. But I was joking about that. I was like, you know, I learned um, that's not what you want. So slowly, I mean, it's been a whole process and it's still in a process. And my, my wife is going to have to work through her own problems. And that's, that's not my, I can't, the only thing I can do is be an example. All I can do is be supportive. It's like, I can't, you know, somebody was like, they were talking about their wife and, and how, because I, I, I'm with a whole bunch of experts and, and we've all worked on ourselves. And a lot of problems that experts have is they work on themselves, but nobody works on themselves around them. Yeah. yeah. So there's that void. But then, you know, he was talking about his wife and, you know, possible divorce and all this. And I'm like, okay, she didn't do anything wrong. You married her as she was with your problems and you start to work on yourself. It's, it's like, it's, you know, let's go to the, a dog and it's like, it bites everybody. And so you take it to the kennel, you, you dispose of that dog, you get rid of, you divorce that dog, but you didn't, you didn't work with it. You, you took, you, you know, you don't have that uh, ownership. It's like uh, our vows for better or worse. It's like, just because you stop bleeding and they're bleeding all over the carpet doesn't mean there's something wrong. It means that you either, you need to learn how to clean up the mess until they can stop bleeding. And wow. it's not That's so beautiful. It's not my job to, to show her a mirror. That's how you trigger people. It's my job to be supportive, to, to work around whatever, because she hasn't changed. I've changed. My perception has changed, but I still have to respect the person because that's my wife. That's my soulmate. It's not, it's not disposable. And that's the problem. We live in a disposable society. And we're not. And, you know, for better or worse, that's it. You're going to make me cheer up. That, that's just so beautifully said. Well, but see, this is not, this is, this is the six-year-old child that got hidden. I'm, I'm still, I have feelings, but I created the walls and the armor to protect myself to hide myself from my feelings and to hide not allow anyone to reach in and experience those including my family how many children do you have i have two and what say there about well you know i my my daughter was going through gender dysmorphia and um got it that's yeah. What's when she, you know, she didn't, she didn't want to be a girl. She wants, she was, I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. Okay. And so I have to go through all this and I'm trying to help her work through all that. And, and what was she, what was she physically born as? Oh, she's a girl. She's a girl. Okay. Yeah. But she had, anyway, that's, we won't even get into that part of. Well, oh, that's another interview. Oh yeah. I mean that we, I can get, a, I can give a whole hour on that one because of, I learned about what's going on. And then my daughter, she's like, doing something and, and looking down, I was like, okay, stop. I said, I have been hiding my whole life. And I've, I've, my 
I've got a hunch over kind of, it's like, cause I've always looked down because I didn't want to see people's eyes because of my shame. I was always looking down. I was like, you got to look up. It's like, now it's like, I look people in the eye because I, my shame is not there. Shame is, shame is, is, is when we try to hide something that were that happened to us and it wasn't our fault. We try to hide it because we're, we're we think somebody's going to judge us and we have that shame of being a victim. But once you go, I'm a victim, this happened to me. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn how to, how to live my life fully without this curse, this baggage, this label people put on me, I'm going to live. And so now you don't have any shame or it, you know, you're not, you're all that it, it it's not there. So you can express who you are as a being you've moved to a higher level of being and everybody talks, Oh, it's so esoteric. It's like, no, it's not. There's levels of being. Cause we're running out of time. <laughs> um, so this, you had this conversation with your daughter and how is she processing her life now? She's, she's better. She's, she's, back she understands what's going on you know she's like wow that was like she was listening to the wrong people she was getting the wrong information and you know i told her i said i was i was sexually abused as as a child and that created all say, my what did she say when you told her well that? they were a little you know they were a little not upset they were just like wow and i was like and, but when in that same sentence i said that's why i had my issues that's why i drank so much that's why I was violent. That's why I was always angry. That's why y'all were scared of me was because of this. And so when I put that together, the kids were like, wow. And so now, I mean, like I, I've posted on this before and I was like, you know, we give it an inherent to kids. We, we do whatever we hook or crook and, and we, we take that promise and that life that we should have been with them. We take it away so we can make money so we can leave them something to inherit my inheritance and i told my kids it's like i'm gonna teach you what i've learned i'm gonna spend all your money <laughs> you can yeah. have my house you can have my gut you can have my truck you can have all that stuff cheeks just fucked up <laughs> but but i'm gonna tell you about your problems life. your trauma i'm gonna tell you about it so that you can uh you can live your life without the shame without being held i can I'm going to show you how to tear down the walls right now so that you won't have to deal with coping mechanisms. You won't have the relationship problems I have. You won't have the interpersonal problems I've had because I'm going to explain how this works. And if I can do that, I can stop the generational curse. I can stop the, the generational trauma. And if I can stop it here, I mean, it does, it doesn't continue. And, and if we, enough of us get together and stop our generational trauma, which is basically a misunderstanding of how we operate. If we can, if I can do that, I can change the world. I believe I can change the world by helping people. That's my plan. <laughs> so how long ago did you have this conversation? And did you have the conversation with both of your daughters together? No, I have a, a daughter and a son. Oh, my daughter. son was already out of the house. Okay. He was already like working and all that, but I've talked to him too about it. And they're both very understanding and they're like, wow. And they see the change in me and they love 
the change because they can hug me now and, and I don't I don't push them away. They can they can talk to me about things. You know, I'm accepting. I don't yell at them. I'm I'm very understanding. I understand their the distractions and the you know the the their friends and peer pressure and I can explain it to them in a way that they understand it that it doesn't it 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 keeps them from building walls. Have you seen in your son any of any challenging effects from the way that you were on him? Um you know, with him out of the house, no, I didn't, I wasn't there to witness it, but, you know, he was having issues too because of, of the passed down trauma. That's what I mean. We pass it down. And so now that I'm starting to explain it to him, he's starting to understand it and he's starting to, okay, well, if that's the case, then I can do this and I can do that. And, and so he is, he's coming up with a game plan and I'm helping him a game plan, how to move on with his life wholeheartedly in full you know without without shame and without you know people you know thinking that people are talking about him and all that it's like now he can live his life the way we were meant to live it and that is what shame did he have that he was experiencing no it's the that fear of uh like if you're rejected you know ah or we go back to the attachment theory. It's those things that cause, and it's not really something they've done. It's just how they are and how they feel. They feel, they think people are going to judge them. And, and that's what keeps, that's what that peer pressure. And so now by explaining this and all this, it's like peer pressure is a bunch of garbage because it's like, you need to do your own thing without worry about what anybody else thinks about you except yourself because if you like yourself and you can accept who you are you you so many of the problems i had in life you won't ever have gotcha hey i i oh my god <laughs> i hate to end this this interview it it, it caught me off guard that's for darn sure <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, t-shirt, you're like, oh, who's this boy guy? It's just like, oh, I'm just going to be a redneck. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> wow, 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 wow. That's all I can say. This has been one of the most eye-awakening interviews I've ever done. And I, I don't even know how to thank you for sharing because I am so sure that you have helped so many people with these two interviews that I know several people that I'm going to say, watch this interview and get this book. Yeah. So. I, I appreciate you having me and allowing me to be here to tell, to, to help spread my purpose and, and to help people. That's it. We met on LinkedIn. Yes, we did. Did you approach me or did I approach you? I approached you. I've been going on LinkedIn and stalking people and trying to get, and, you know, because I want to, this is, you know, I was like, I got to get on a podcast. I got to start telling and start telling about my book so I can get it out there. And because and, people don't know who I am and they don't know what the story and they don't know, you know, what I have to offer. And uh, I think this is my 10th or 11th podcast now. And, but every time I do it, my story gets clearer and I'm going to help more people. And that's, that's all I want is to get the story out there because there's somebody not being served. 
if I don't do my book. There's somebody not being served if I don't get on these podcasts because someone's going to hear a podcast and they're going to go. Because I listened to Ed Milet this morning and he, it was talk, talking about trauma and, and trapped in the body. And I was like, wow, you know, but it was random. And it's going to, this is going to touch somebody's life that nobody else would have ever been able to touch. It's going to touch more than a somebody's life. It's going to touch a lot of lives. And I will commit to you that I will write this in my LinkedIn newsletter, which has over 3000 subscribers. Awesome. So this is good stuff. Do you have like a JPEG of the cover of your book so people know what to look for? And when is it coming out? It's coming out. So I finally got it, uh, the first draft done and I'm like halfway through the first editing. So a few more, I said it would be out summer and I'm like, damn, summer's got, you know, we got 11 days left. So <laughs> it's going to come out Indian summer. Indian summer, I love it. And you, have it, you know, it, it, right is better than right now. Yes. Because if I write a crappy book, nobody's going to read it. If I write a book that's engaging as, as we, our conversation was, I can change the world. Well, you're free to use this conversation in your book because I think you have an amazing story. And I will send you, hopefully, should uh, I press the button for this? I know that I have this in um, on Zoom, so you'll see it. Okay, and I'll send you all the information. I'll send the PDF of the book and and whatever else you need, I can, whatever you need me to do. And, right. you know, if someone's looking for me, they can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I post almost daily. Um, I've started a Facebook group because now I'm starting to do that Spartan run, that second, the beast in Montana in June. And so I've started a group with that. And I think I have like 50 or 60 people already wow. in that, that Facebook group. So um, if they want to get me on LinkedIn and message me, I can get them in that group. And it's basically a transformation of your life to get you like to lose weight or start doing this or whatever to grasp your life back into your own hands. And give everybody the name of your Facebook group. Uh, it's Journey with Dan. Journey with Dan. Path to a Spartan transformation. Okay. Journey with. And you can also text Dan to 33777 and I will send them a, a, transfer, a life transformation primer. And then I will get them into my, my news feed, or they can go to www.dancapello.com. And my, you'll, when my book's published, you'll find it there. There's my speaking uh, engagements there, all my stuff there. You can get a hold of me, or just Dan, you can email me, dan at dancapello.com. Well, we will have all that information in the newsletter, and I'm super excited. Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. I've had a blast. I really appreciate you. I appreciate you and what you do because you're making a difference in Thank people's you. lives. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs>